0: Thanks for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching, help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of a yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com let's get into today's episode hi everybody this is Karen Fabian and welcome to the bare bones yoga podcast conversations for yoga teachers this is episode 4 I am just you know so excited to be here I know again that sounds trite but it's really true I am just to give you a little background so I live in Boston. And the uh, place that I record is this really cool spot in Alston called the Podcast Garage. And if you have um, not been to Boston recently, you probably wouldn't even recognize this part of town. It's really, really getting developed. Harvard's putting a lot of uh, new buildings up, and there's just a lot of really cool uh, new retail And there's this cool spot called the Podcast Garage, and it's a uh, location where people can come, obviously, to record their podcasts if they don't want to invest in all the equipment themselves. And so I really like coming here. It just feels like, you know, just a little excursion. I come out from, um, I I make it sound like it's so far, it's maybe like 10 minutes from my apartment in Back Bay, but um, it's really just a really cool place, and um, every once in a while, I come in and somebody else is wrapping up their podcast. So it's just a just a cool spot. So I'm here in Boston uh, recording and we're on to episode four. So today we're going to dive deep into the mind. So this is going to be one of those podcasts where if you are multitasking, it's really going to get in the way of you really being being able to absorb this information and feel it in your body and um, So if you have an opportunity to kind of just stop everything else you're doing, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm walking uh, to teach class, because I'm not doing anything else. It's hard to kind of multitask when you're walking. Um, If you're driving, that'd be good. Um, But if you're kind of sitting at your desk or at home, maybe just do something kind of folding laundry-ish and uh, take a listen, because we're going to dive deep here. We're talking about ways of being. And I put that in quote, ways of being as a theme and what ways of being, your being (laughs) as a yoga teacher. Hmm. So what do you think that means? Well, before we get into the details, I want you to close your eyes for a moment as I ask you a few questions. Let these questions just settle into your consciousness and see what the first thought is that arises are you happy with how your yoga teaching is going? By that I mean, do you feel like you're your best self when you teach? To drill down even more, do you feel comfortable as you teach? Do you feel at ease? Do you feel authentic? Or are you nervous and you feel like you're struggling to find your voice and your style of teaching? These questions are meant to get to the heart and soul of what drives you as a teacher, even more than what techniques you use, what cues you offer, what sequences you teach, and what poses are involved. It's meant to be an exploration of what you consider to be your identity as a teacher. So before we get much further, I wanna give you an example that might bring this idea to light. On episode three of this podcast, which is called Building Your Yoga Business With Less Struggle and More Ease, I talked about a story when I was a new teacher and I had an opportunity uh, when the Boston Globe had asked to interview me for a story they were doing on people who had left their corporate careers to teach yoga. And I shared that I was really caught up in the quote, idea of being a yoga teacher, the clothes, the accessories, the healthy lifestyle that was assumed to be part of being a teacher. And I shared my embarrassment at having these feelings, but I did so to make the point that those feelings, while common and natural, have nothing to do with the skills or ways of being you would need to be an effective, impactful yoga teacher. So this is what I'm talking about this way of being whatever it is in this case we're talking about being a yoga teacher but really we're talking about how you think of yourself because as we know your yoga teaching is an expression of who you are just as much as it's an expression of a specific movement based practice with a spiritual foundation which of course is yoga so I want to continue this discussion with a distinction When I say way of being and identity, I'm not talking about qualities of the best teacher or what makes a good yoga teacher or 10 skills that good yoga teachers have or any other list-based article you and I have read online. In fact, I actually think I wrote one of those articles many years ago. It's not that there's something inherently wrong with those ideas. It's just that they're written from the doing perspective rather than the being perspective. So the point is, for this discussion, I want you to focus on the foundational principle of who you are as a teacher before we focus on what you do as a teacher that may or may not be an effective technique that leads to your success, popularity, or effectiveness as a teacher. So just kind of mull that part over. You know, another way to think of it is what got you into yoga as a practitioner in the first place? The stories you've read or heard from teachers about what interested them in yoga or what inspired them to teach. You've probably seen those kinds of things if you go to a studio website and you read the bios of the teacher. You know, those stories are often filled with nuggets like this. Because yoga is such a heart-centered practice, often in our first experiences on the mat, it triggers a connection to deeper feelings that can be rooted in these ways of being ideas we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, when I was preparing for this podcast, I knew that I had a lot of, um, Not so much content but I knew that I wanted to reference some of my favorite books books that have really impacted me as a teacher and one of the books is uh, by Parker J Palmer and it's called the courage to teach and he's a mr. Palmer is a highly respected writer lecturer teacher and activist and he captures this concept perfectly in his book when he says after three decades of trying to learn my craft Every class comes down to this. My students and I, face-to-face, engaged in an ancient and exacting exchange called education. The techniques I have mastered do not disappear, but neither do they suffice. Face-to-face with my students, only one resource is at my immediate command. My identity, my selfhood, my sense of this I who teaches without which I have no sense of the thou who learns. All right? so do you see the distinction I'm making here between the doing and the being? I hope so. And as you're listening, if you have questions or comments, I want you to make a mental note of them and write a comment to the podcast so we can discuss it. You can comment on the post on, you can comment on this podcast on, on iTunes, on Podbean, or just go to my website podcast page, and there's a page that's for this episode and you can just comment there so first let's define the five themes of being for yoga, for yoga teachers now please know that there may be more but these are five that I'm gonna start with and also as I go through the list right now I want you to note the gut reaction you have when you hear each one Note your first reaction as either being, yes, I totally agree with that or absolutely not or maybe you're feeling something down the middle. So here goes. I am willing. I hold myself to high standards of personal integrity. I am not my stories and I refuse to use stories about things that have happened to me as excuses. I am inquisitive about myself and will do ongoing work to find out more about who I am I have the courage to let my real self shine through I will always do my best even when my best changes from day to day so that's the list so let's go through them now one by one and find out a little bit more now remember your initial reactions as we break down each one may be different once We go through the detail. So, just you can kind of notice if that is a shift that that makes that happens for you. So, the first one is I am willing. So, I want to just share a little bit of a personal story here. I was going through um, a bit of a crisis of identity a few months back. I don't want to say crisis in a super dramatic way, but I was really struggling with some things on the mental level. And I was specifically struggling with a lot of negative thinking. And I was frustrated by some of the things happening in my business, or not happening, (laughs) and looking for a fresh perspective. And I was wondering if a lot of the problem I was actually creating myself. So I went on Amazon. I'm sure you've been there, you know, kind of you're looking for something. And I put in the search bar positive thinking or books on positive thinking, something like that. And up came a book called, and I'm going to have to not fully say it because I it's got kind of a colorful word in there. It's UnF yourself. Yes, that's the name of the book. And it's by Gary John Bishop. And as you can tell from the colorful, colorful title, he does not hold back here. <laughs> and he shoots straight to give you the tough talk you need to, as he says, get out of your head and get into your life. In the book, one of the concepts he talks about is this idea of being willing. Now, you might think about being willing as it relates to things like willing to eat better or being willing to get up early to work out or being willing to listen to your significant other to improve the relationships and uh, improve the relationship. And all those things are true. But in the context of yoga teaching, the willing I'm referring to is what he describes as a, quote, a state in which we can engage with life and see a situation from a new perspective. And he goes on to say that, quote, when you are finally willing, you can literally experience that willingness, that innate freedom that courses through your veins. And similarly, when you are not the kind of primordial stuckness that halts and presses down on you like some invisible weight on your chest. Now, let me ask you this. If you've been teaching for a while, <laughs> haven't you felt that stuckness he talks about? On social media, people refer to it as a quote, teaching rut. But you get the idea, right? What about the student who, gives, who you give a block to and they bat it away and refuse to use it? That's happened to me. You think, being willing would be a helpful quality to have in that moment you bet what about when the studio you teach at gets bought by someone else and suddenly with no warning there's a shift in management and studio routines do you think it'd be helpful to be willing in that scenario absolutely what about the time you're teaching a packed class and a student comes in late plops her mat right in the center of the room and proceeds to do entirely her own thing right in front of you and all the other students. Do you think being willing would be helpful there too? For, for sure, right? All these things have happened to me. So there are many applications of being willing that apply to teaching. We didn't even cover the educational aspects like being willing to learn new ways of teaching, new techniques, new cues, and things like that. But I think you get now that it's an overarching approach that if adopted will bring so much more flow and ease into your teaching. Okay, so that's the first one, being willing. So the second way of being is I hold myself to high standards of personal integrity. Now, I love the idea of integrity because it's a term that can apply to who we are, but can also be used as an anatomical term also. Now, since I specialize in teaching anatomy, I use the term integrity to illustrate the idea of having a healthy balance between both muscle strength and stretch. I mean, think about the position of your pelvis in your body. Anchored by your hamstring to your lower leg, if your hamstrings didn't have sufficient tension, your pelvis would swing front to back in a haphazard way when you walked. But how many people complain that their hamstrings are too tight? When we consider ourselves someone that holds ourselves up to high standards of personal integrity, integrity that carries into all that we do. From how we leave the studio room looking after we teach, to our attendance at our own classes, to how we request subs for our classes and when, to how we communicate in email, to how we communicate in person with students and those who work alongside us in the studio. You know, there are Dozens of ways that we can hold ourselves to high standards of personal integrity. And if we consider ourselves to be more of a free-to-be kind of person, that can have ramifications that can impact, you know, not only our career, um, but our connections with others and our growth as a teacher. Now, I'm sure, I'm not sure, but I bet you have either read or heard of the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which covers four specific ways of being that all fall under the concept of integrity. And he talks about one of the agreements being, being impeccable with your word. You know, so I think not only of the cues I give when I teach and how clear and hopefully effective I can make them, but I also think of the conversations I have with students after class and how I can be sure that Any suggestions I make come from uh, my knowledge and experience versus something that I just kind of heard from someone else. And when I think of the second agreement where he says, don't take anything personally, I think of all the instances over the years when someone said they either liked or didn't like my class or I got feedback from a senior teacher about my class or... I didn't get a class I wanted um, or any of the myriad of scenarios in my career when things didn't go my way and how I made it all about me instead of just leaving it at the level of the situation so you may be out there thinking but how can those situations not be about you since you're the one teaching well I hear you it's not that you're not the one in the situation But it's more about how can you leave personal feelings out of each scenario so you can more objectively assess each one. So in the case of the student who said they liked my class upon leaving, great. Was my teaching the only factor in that student's experience? No, but it's nice that my teaching could be part of their kind of overall good experience. In the case of the student who didn't like my class and writes a negative review online or writes to the studio and complains and it gets back to me, do I need to take that feedback personally and make it all about me? Of course not. I can hear what the feedback is and decide more objectively what might need to change, if anything, based on what I hear when I extract my personal feelings out of it. Now, is this easy to do what I'm talking about here? Of course not. However, the sooner you start doing this and taking this on as one of your ways of being, I promise you the less grief you'll have. So there are many ways we can embody the concept of personal integrity. Now, does that mean we're perfect? No. It means when we make a mistake, we will eventually, hopefully, recognize it at mistakes. And we'll recognize those times we strayed from the right path and we'll get back on it. So we've gone through two. So the next one is, I am not my stories. And I refuse to use stories about things that have happened to me as excuses. Now, this is a huge one for me on a personal level. You know, I started working with a personal and performance coach a few months ago. And I remember the first time we talked on the phone, like it was yesterday. She was asking me about my yoga business. And I started to go through kind of my familiar review, you know, of all that had gotten me to where I was. And I say familiar because I've gone through the story a lot anytime I talk to my parents or my boyfriend or different elements of it come up um, regularly and have so over the years. I, I won't go into all that I said because it's not that important and it's actually kind of embarrassing, but suffice it to say that after a few minutes, she, she just outright cut me off. She said, Karen, I, am really, I, I really am not here to hear your stories and excuses. Can I just tell you that the entire energy of what we've been discussing just totally dropped as soon as you launched into this whole line of conversation? And I was stunned. I felt my eyes well up. I felt like she was asking me to give up something that defined me. And in that moment, I realized that the biggest obstacle to my success over all these years was me, that I was the thing standing in the way. That I was unwilling to let go of the weight of these mental stories, things that I took so personally, and that had defined my identity as a yoga teacher. It was quite a moment. So think about for yourself. You know, do you have some kind of personal story that is blocking you from really being your best self? Is there something that you feel defines you? You know, you think about things like um, people who. Um, even just think about people that you meet on the street and they find out you're a yoga teacher and they say, "Oh, I could never do yoga. I'm not flexible." And that is just kind of a defining quality that they have. You know, and so if that's something that you have in your head, you're never going to go to a yoga class or it's going to be really hard to get you there. So think about what stories and excuses you make and how you're holding on to that as a way to define yourself. Another great book that I love is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and she talks about a friend that was in the film industry, and he was talking to a famous German director about all the struggles he was having not getting work. And the director said to him, quit your complaining. It's not the world's fault that you wanted to be an artist. And you could just as easily insert yoga teacher there. It's not the world's job to enjoy the films you make, and it's certainly not the world's obligation to pay for your dreams. Nobody wants to hear it. (laughs) Steal a camera if you must, but stop whining and get back to work. Right? So I think you can see the point. We all have stories. We've lived life up until this point, and things have happened to us. Some are good, some are bad. But when we make these bad things become part of who we are, We block our ability to move forward, and they become part of our identity, right? So you can think about that earlier example I gave you about the I'm not flexible, right? Um, You know, kind of along those lines, I don't know if you saw or heard, you know, I, I saw it for a while there. It was like coming up every day in my newsfeed on Facebook, the story of an elderly woman in New York City who wanted to be more mobile so she could play with her grandchildren. And she hired a private yoga teacher, and you know, she was in her 80s and she had never done any yoga. And the article online showed a picture of her from the side before and after several months of yoga. And in the before picture, she had a very pronounced kyphotic spine. So she had a very large hunchback and she was leaning over quite a bit. And in the second picture, she was standing fully upright. It was remarkable. And, you know, I bet she thought being inflexible was an innate quality she had, but her intention and motivation completely proved that theory wrong. If you haven't seen that article, I bet you can get it on Google. So again, think of the stories that you have in your mind that prevent you from teaching at your highest level. What kinds of things come to mind? What kinds of traits do you think are innate to you and can't be changed? So the next one is... I am inquisitive about myself, and I will do ongoing work to find out more about who I am. So for this one, again, I'm going to refer to the book, The Courage to Teach by Parker J. Palmer. And in the book, he says, as we learn more about who we are, we can learn techniques that reveal rather than conceal the personhood from which good teaching comes. We no longer need to use technique to mask our subjective self as the culture of professionalism encourages us us to do. Now we can use technique to manifest more fully the gift of self from which our best teaching comes, right? So the operative words here are, as we learn more about who we are. You know, the reality is many people come into teaching yoga because, yes, they love it as a practitioner, but they have no idea who they are and how they will either help or stand in the way of being an effective teacher. I can share in my work with my personal coach. It's work I wish I had done years ago. I mean, that is the truth. I wonder how my path as a teacher would be different. You can only take on you know, what you're going to take on in regards to personal development, though, when the spirit moves you. And I'm glad I'm doing it now. But I encourage you, you know, to really consider working with someone qualified and objective, if you wish to make teaching yoga a career choice. Being inquisitive about who you are, what qualities do you consider innate in yourself, what you think helps you as a teacher, and what you think gets in the way of effective teaching can all be part of work you might do with someone. The interesting thing though is that the intersection between this work that you do for teaching and how you approach your life is quite strong and you'll find as I have that as you uncover barriers in your teaching they mirror barriers you have to living your best life and and I so do not mean that in a social media kind of way you know it's like oh living your best life like this just fake like glittery cotton candy-ish nothingness right I mean like really living your best life your most authentic life and the work you do it will help you live more fully which will in turn bring more fullness to your teaching so it's just so great how closely they're intertwined so let's go on to the next one so the next one is next way of being is I have the courage to let my real self shine through so I don't know if you listened to episode two about um the self limiting thoughts we can have as teachers. And in that episode, I talked about a girl in my teacher training many years ago that was brand new, definitely just like a newbie teacher. And she was so real and honest in her teaching, even though the technique was not super refined, right? She was brand new. And I talked about how she really let her real self shine through. And to this day, I don't know if that was courageous for her or just her way of being. Although for me, letting my real self shine through when teaching, you know, that does take a little more courage than when I'm with my friends and family and that kind of thing. You know, when I teach my weekly kids classes, I I teach kids I have for over 10 years, they don't need any courage, right? Most of the time to be their real self, especially the little ones, the four-year-olds, three-and-a-half, four-year-olds. If they feel like crying in class, they do. If they feel like smiling, they smile. If they feel like pulling their shirt over their head, that's what they'll do. Um, Another really amazing book, if you haven't read, is Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And in that book, she writes, we need less posturing and more genuine charisma, she says charisma was originally a religious term, meaning of the spirit. And she says it's about a sparkle in people that money can't buy. It's an invisible energy with visible effects. It's when we become bright and let our own light shine. So can't you just feel, just in hearing that description, how that describes teachers you've been around or where the class was just electric and wonderful. I mean, the kinds of classes where people are laughing, but working hard, where there's a lightness as well as focused attention, and where you leave and you really feel a connection to the teacher, even though you may have no idea about any of the, you know, kind of anything about them personally. You still feel really connected with them. This is what I'm talking about when I say letting your real self shine through. So let's go to the, just this last one here. So the last way of being is I will always do my best, even when my best changes from day to day. Okay. So the final of the four agreements, the the book by Don Miguel Ruiz, I mentioned before, is literally always do your best. And he writes under any circumstance, always do your best, no more and no less. So for us as yoga teachers, what does that mean? Well, I mean, that means the day you and your boyfriend break up or your child is sick or you're worried about your job, as much as you can do it, you show up and you put those worries to the side and you decide to be of service to your students. Of course you're distracted. Who wouldn't be? Is your best that day the best of the best you ever gave? No. In Buddhist philosophy, the principle of transience is prominent and the idea that nothing is the same for too long. This is how it is with our teaching. We have to recognize that there are ups and downs, both in our skill level, our attention to detail, and other aspects of our technique. But if at the end of our class we can honestly say that we did our best, that is all we can give And we should be proud of that so those are the ways of being so I just want to go back and I just want to reread just the ways of being before we move on just to kind of touch point on them again so the first one was I'm willing the second one was I hold myself to high standards of personal integrity The third one is I am not my stories and I refuse to use stories about things that have happened to me as excuses. The next one is I am inquisitive about myself and will do ongoing work to find out more about who I am. The next one is I have courage, I have the courage to let my real self shine through. And the last one is I will always do my best even when my best changes from day to day. Okay. So we've gone through the list. We've broken down each one a little bit more. I really want you to kind of, you know, take a moment here and just think about anything that comes to mind that would be great to kind of hear about. So again, remember, comments. I want to hear your comments uh, about if this is kind of touching a nerve a little bit or giving you some ideas. So let's move into strategies. You know, so... The level of detail here so far is pretty deep. And this, this topic is fairly intense. I mean, this isn't you know necessarily the kind of thing you're going to wrap about with another teacher just in passing. I mean, this is, this is the kind of conversation you typically would have at a teacher training. Um, so I'm not going to go too much into the action part. You know, perhaps we'll do a part two of this podcast. We can dive into the action part a little bit deeper. For now, I'm going to leave you with some general strategies you can do things that I've found effective and helpful in helping me understand myself better in terms of my identity and ways of being. But again, this is a great opportunity for you to give feedback to the listeners of the podcast about what's worked for you. So that would be another great comment to add to the podcast. So the first one I'm gonna say is meditate daily, right? That You probably knew that was coming. You know, as yoga teachers, there's no denying. You know, we get it. We understand the value of meditation on a physical level, on a mental level. And it can also be a tool to help us learn more about ourselves. You know, as we sit in stillness, we start to feel those feelings of restlessness arise we can also use this quiet time to start to think about who we really are and what elements of our identity we feel are integral to who we are and which qualities we might want to change. You know, and you might hear that and say, well, but I thought meditation was supposed to just be like the blank mind. So maybe you do a little bit of meditation, but then maybe you sit and you sit to do visualization. You know, sometimes I sit, and do visualization and start to think about how the things I want to do are actually going to look, right? To start to kind of see them in my mind's eye and start to see myself in that situation, see people there, whatever it is. Whether it's a workshop I'm doing or I'm planning a, I'm planning a wellness weekend here in Boston uh, in January. I'm just at the beginning stages of that, so I'm starting to kind of do some visualization around that. Um, just to start to kind of get an idea in my mind, get my mind kind of thinking about how do I want this to go? Not so much from the planning perspective, but what am I doing? How do I, you know, how do I feel? Who's there? Just, just those kinds of things, just to get kind of some of that going in the mind. So meditation, visualization. The second thing is journaling. You know, if you've ever had a journal, you know, it's a great tool for sharing your most Intimate feelings about yourself. Now if you don't think you'll make the time to do it Think about just something like having a jar on your desk like where you can just put little notes about things You're grateful for or maybe there's another theme um, That you want to you want to do I have a two jars on my desk One's a gratitude jar and one's an accomplishment jar and I just started them a couple months ago And I just put little slips of paper in each one So just think about something that allows you to take a moment and write down something about how you feel that can sometimes be an effective tool And then the last tip I'm going to give you, strategy I'm going to suggest, is look for a mentor, a coach, or a psychologist. You know, there are some really cool, like, specialties out there, neuropsychology. You know, if you really want to take things to the next level, pay someone to work with you in a coaching capacity, Mm -hmm. right? There are some amazing professionals out there specializing in all sorts of areas like performance coaching, creating new neural pathways, and lots of other areas, Try not to think of it as the traditional kind of, so tell me about yourself, as we used to think about psychology back in the day. Think of this as an objective person with special skills, right, not the Liam Neeson kind of special skills, you know what I mean, Um, who can help you reach your highest levels in life. And then the last thing I'm gonna say, and this one's really easy to implement, right, because it doesn't require any special tools, but you gotta stick with it. Start to watch what you say and mental patterns that hold you back. So even just from this podcast, start to be more objective in hearing yourself and watching for mental patterns that drag you down. So I'll give you a perfect example. Recently, I stopped using the word, but. Do you ever notice how just about any sentence, written or spoken, once you put but in there, it just has a steep drop in positive energy as soon as the word but appears. I'm alert to it now, and I have even at times replaced it with however, which is a much softer kind of transition word. I also look for things during the day on social media that trigger feelings of jealousy or scarcity in me, and instead of letting myself get caught up in a tailspin of anxiety, which has happened, I think about this idea that there's more than enough to go around, more than enough work, more than enough opportunity, more than enough you know, ways to connect with people. So look for your patterns. Start to be curious about what pushes your buttons. And for now, even just noticing them is a great step. So we've covered a lot of ground here today. And I want to just say a few things before we wrap up. So as I said throughout the podcast, comments, comments, comments. I want to hear from you. You know, this is not about, you know, any kind of trying to, get ranked differently it's just I want to start to have a conversation about this you know here I sit in this podcast garage and you know I'm talking out there to the airwaves and I'd love to hear how this is impacting you you know what kinds of things are coming to mind as you hear this so you can write comments on my website barebonesyoga.com go to the podcast page you'll see the episode comment there super easy Uh, iTunes Podbean two platforms where it lives, you can comment on, on those sites as well. And I I also want to tell you just a couple things about the website. So when you go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, right at the top you're going to see an opportunity to download a sequence building template. And this gets downloaded a ton. This is like a big issue for teachers coming up with new sequences. So I create a little template. You can just plug in the information and really, really quick, you'll have a new sequence. So if you go to barebonesyoga.com, right at the top of the page, homepage, you're gonna see an opportunity to download that. And the other thing on the website, just a little bit down the homepage, are two different video um, trainings I have. Learn Yoga Challenge, Learn Anatomy Challenge. And these are free videos on my YouTube channel. Each has a PDF that walks you through how to get to the videos, what each video covers. So go to the website, barebonesyoga.com, download one of those. Maybe you know somebody who wants to try yoga, but they're super freaked out about going to class. They don't know the poses, blah, blah, blah. Learn yoga challenge. Maybe you're a teacher and you want to learn more about anatomy. You wanna learn how to cue different anatomical actions and parts of the body. Learn Anatomy Challenge. You know, both of these things are introductory series that I have to other products that I have that aren't free, right? They're just kind of springboards to give you kind of a taste. Um, when you go on the website, you'll see my books, my online courses. Um, and so those are some, some more intensive learning tools that I offer. And, you know, the last thing is I have a couple workshops coming up. So if you're in or near Boston, the Saturday Health Yoga Life in Beacon Hill I have a shoulder workshop happening all about the shoulder. We're gonna do some really cool stuff that you've never done before, I bet, using myofascial release balls to feel the muscles, um, using kinesio tape to mark them on the body. Of course, we'll look at images of the muscles online and we'll do poses that, you know, use these muscles of the shoulder. So that's happening this Saturday. It's gonna happen again in October. And then I'm also doing a fundamentals workshop in October. So for all the workshops, They're on the events page on the website, barebonesyoga.com. So I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope that it's been just kind of a thought-provoking episode for you. And again, comments, questions, let me know what they are. Okay, so I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I'm looking forward to episode number five with you. Namaste.